You're listening to the Coach T Podcast, hosted by my dad. The Coach T Podcast, my name is Isaiah Thomas, the proprietor, uh, owner of this podcast. So uh, I have with me the longtime assistant coach, Stan Granger of Holt. How are you doing, Stan? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You know, trying to enjoy life a little bit, make it normal the way it used to be. Yeah, uh, aren't we all? Aren't we all? Um, uh, I will catch up the viewers a little bit. So uh, me and Stan go back almost over 20 years now. The first time I met Stan was at uh, wrestling my freshman year freestyle tournaments, uh, where Stan, when he was still competing, would coach me from time to time. And later in my high school career, when I was making it to regionals and states, he was one of my coaches that worked out with me, uh, kind of knocked me down a peg or two uh, every now and then when I needed it. And it's always been a support for me in my wrestling career. So I thank you, Stan, for everything you have done for me as a as a wrestler, coach, and as a person. I've learned a lot from you. Not a problem. I've learned a lot from you. And I, I, I know you did figure out how to hand fight and then to do a double leg. So I was happy at that point. I get a lot of stuff. I get a lot of crap about the double leg all the time. Um, <laughs> we'll have to talk about that in another episode. Uh, Isaiah Thomas antics. But uh, so tell me a little bit go. about your wrestling background from uh, where you started all the way up to when you were com- still competing after high school. Wow. Wow. That's a long journey. Um, I, I kind of started wrestling when I was a kid, I used to get in trouble all the time on the playground, like probably fifth grade, I was always fighting. And, um, my mom just, you know, found out about like, you know, it's kind of the old story you hear from a lot of people that my mom's like, I got to keep him busy somehow. Took me to wrestling practice and I could kind of beat people up and not get in trouble. So I was like, Hey, I can kind of do this. Um, uh-huh. but you know, I, I, you know, did some wrestling as a kid and then as uh, middle school and then high school wrestled, uh, here at old, um, and 86 to 90, uh, had a little bit of success, but really honestly, I had no clue what I was doing. That's the crazy part. I look back now, you, my kids look at me and go, dad, you really did that stuff. That's stupid. And I'm like, well, guys, I, yeah, I was a struggle. Um, but um, I was fortunate enough to uh, to place uh, a, a couple times state placer, and then uh, uh, was able to get to wrestle in college. Um, I was I had some good community members who sat around me and kind of said, "You're going to do something. You're you've got more capabilities than what you think you have." And so that's always meant a lot to me. Uh, because I honestly wouldn't be where I'm at without the community around me making sure that I didn't settle for less, not just in the wrestling room, but also as a person. And uh, so that's something that really sticks in my head for wrestling, like the sport of wrestling. People just care about each other. Um, so I uh, went from the high school on the wrestle at Central, uh, did uh, a couple of years, three years there, four years, I think. I have to remember this. I'm getting old. Um, and I, I, it was, it was interesting. I had a great experience with that. Um, I, I was there, uh, when coach Minkle was there, um, him and Rod Rapp actually, uh, sat down with me and kind of, we went through the recruiting process as a walk-on. Um, uh, I was able to get in on, on my academics, which kind of 
threw me for a loop. I wasn't expecting that. Um, again, I'm not thinking I was good enough knowing that and other people in the community going, yes, you are kind of deal. Um, so I got into CMU, wrestled there uh, a couple years under Minkle, and then uh, Minkle moved on to Michigan State. Um, and then I was really fortunate to wrestle under Borelli the first couple years, or last couple years of my career, um, which was really insightful because I got a lot of perspective from the two, two coaches, which was really good. Um, and I got done there. Um, I was kind of done. Like when I finished wrestling in college, I was like, I'm done. I'm going to do all those things everybody tells me I shouldn't, should have been doing for years. You know, they're like, oh, it's wintertime. You can go skiing. I'm like, oh, yeah, let's go try that. Yeah, that's not for me. I'm just going to say that. I did it once. Um, <laughs> but uh, that was quite the experience. I dodged a few trees, I think, just out of diving. Um, so, you know, um, I kind of settled into – the family life at the time, I was I had, uh, got married and had a couple kids and wasn't really thinking about doing anything. And then I was living up in uh, the Clare area and a couple people in the community found out that I wrestled and they were trying to start up a wrestling club. There was nothing there. Um, I actually have a pretty good story about that. They, uh, uh, I didn't publicized that I'd wrestled. I kind of just wanted to step away from the wrestling world for a while and just see what the real quote unquote real world was like outside of wrestling. <laughs> right. You know, that's yeah. what you hear is you're like, Oh, you guys are missing so much. And I was like, Oh, you know what? This is a great opportunity to play dumb, like do nothing. Um, so I did, got a job and you know, a couple days into the job, I get this knock on the door, a couple dads. They're like, Hey, you don't know us, but we've heard a little bit about you. We heard you wrestled. Said, oh, guys, I don't know anything about wrestling. And I played this. And uh, I'll never forget it. It was probably one of my my best was like, I'm like, guys, I don't know anything about wrestling. You know, we're, we're in, I'm living in Claire, Mount Pleasant, CMU's right there. So I'm like, oh, God, they're going to find out somehow. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of days later, they come knocking on the door. And one of the dads just says, uh, hey, look, I, I work. I, I'm a detective. You wrestled at Central. This is your credentials. You're going to help us. <laughs> I'm like, um, I'm not sure I can get out of this one now. <laughs> so, you know, ultimately, that's how my coaching started. Um, it was, hey, help us set up a program. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll help you set it up. And I mean, I don't know a lot. I mean, I was young. I was just a wrestler. So I was like, you know, there's no club here. Let's just set up a club. That'd be the easiest way to do it. That way you don't have to deal with schools and some of the bureaucracies. And you could establish that, that you have a group of people who like to wrestle and build it. So, you know, I, I kind of took the model that we had here at Holt. And I sat down with the parents and I said, you need a board. So that way it always stays. And it's not running with just a person like me. If I, something happens, I leave. And so they did it. And, um, you know, that was kind of my first intro to dealing with clubs and sports and, you know, the Claire wrestling clubs doing well. And I'm, I'm happy to see that. Um, I have a good friend up there, Tim Packard, who, who's really, you know, even his kids are gone now and, and he's still part of the club. We touch base every year, at least once around the, the state meet. And um, it's nice to see that he's still doing things and the club is doing well. And the Farwell club branched off because, you know, just like any wrestling program, well, you know, Claire's doing it, so then Farwell can do it, and then it, 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 you know, it just breeds that way. So, um, anyway, sorry, I went on a tangent there. <laughs> no, it was a, it was a good one. Yeah, yeah. So I did that, um, and then uh, 
my jobs changed, brought me back to Lansing, and I got asked to uh, help a coach. Um, and so I kind of did an assistant coach thing, and and it's just kind of grown from there. And then I, I just been an assistant coach for years. I think it's 1998 when I started with Rocky. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I did that for a long time. And then, you know, uh, I know you you were asking a couple of people asked about the World Police and Fire game stuff. Um, honestly, that was a big thing as a result of coaching. Um, I really kind of was coaching for a while. I'm like, man, I, I just feel stuck. Like, I don't feel like I'm learning anything or it's hard for me to see a bigger, bigger picture. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So um, kind of set some, I saw some things. I have a friend, Wayne, uh, Wayne Pertel or, out of Pinconin, you know Wayne. Go, you go. Pretty I good, know Wayne Pertle very well. Very well. Yeah, yeah. Super nice guy, and he grabs me, you know, in, in typical Wayne Wayne shape. Granger, what? We're going to Indiana. You're going with me. I'm like, what are we doing? We're gonna wrestle. Okay, cool. Let's go. We were doing some Friday night freestyle stuff because I was running with the club, helping the kids out. And so I go to Indianapolis, and I'm like, Wayne, what are we doing? He's like, there's this tournament we're gonna go to. I'm like, all right, cool. I don't know where I'm going. And it ends up being like the World Police and Fire Games. And it's like, I'm thinking it's just a typical, Friday, back then it was a Friday night freestyle Greco, you know, guys, kind of old guys wrestling around. No, this is the, the real deal. People coming from all over. The first guy wrestling from Estonia. I think I touched the mat twice and it was tech fall. Um, you know, it was quite the experience there. And so that got me thinking, I'm like, God, there's a whole nother world here that I need to, to at least know about coaching wise and what these guys are doing so I can coach the kids. I want to teach, if I'm going to teach something, I'm going to do it the best I can. And so that's how I ended up doing the world police games in Indianapolis and then uh, headed over to Barcelona and wrestled there. So, and then the rest has just been coaching and coaching kids. I took all that and put it all together. So, Yeah. Kind of a wild tangent, isn't it? No, it's just uh, it's kind of crazy. I think um, how we're all uh, connected somehow. Uh, you're talking about your experience at Claire and, and starting that program. Um, I had a person on my national team, Ross Gertis, who was a state placer for them. Uh, we were roughly yeah. the same age. Yes, yeah. I had him when he was a kid. Yeah, <laughs> so, he was part of that group. I remember yeah. him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he was very skilled in freestyle, uh, very difficult to take down. He had all this different, like, kind of the freestyle funk, I would call it, before it became pretty big. Um, and and uh, one of my coaching uh, buddies, um, gosh, you can't even think of his name right now. It's, it's on the top. It'll come back to me. You know how you get on tangents, you think of everything else. But uh, yeah. But then you went mentioned Wayne Pirtle, who's been a longtime assistant coach at Pin Conning. Um, yep. <laughs> my wife went to Pin Conning. I teach at Pin Conning now. Uh, I live out in Pin Conning. So it's just <laughs> like how we're all loosely connected. <laughs> and um, it, uh, yeah, and, and I think about like Louis Soyster, who was a two time state champion. Yeah. Um, well, unfortunately, um, passed away his first year at CMU but I remember him wrestling Jeremy Bloom from Williamson who was a good buddy of mine back in those those days so it's just 
kind of this this circle where everybody has some type of little thread that are connected to each other. So it's really it's really neat to know that part. Um, you, you talked a little bit about your your coaching and how you got into it. I, I guess the first thing I would start with: what was it like, or like coaching your own children? Oh God, that's a whole nother eight hour episode, my friend. That is a whole, that's even, I could do a week long on that one. I've thought about, Rocky always talks about making a, writing a book about being a coach. I mean, every chapter is, you know, we're at like 500 chapters, I think. Yeah. Um, but uh, just kids alone, dude, coaching your own kids is very hard. I mean, that's, that's, oof. where do you want to start with that one? That is, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's it's a stressor um it's a stressor and a privilege i really do tell you uh, you know people ask and and i mean i was very fortunate i had three of my boys i had three boys um i never honestly made the push to make them wrestle i never i never well actually i didn't really want to i was like man i'm enjoying life away from wrestling right now it just seemed to be kind of that was that time where i was kind of like enjoying life like like the when the claire wrestling club came up i'm like i don't want to do anything. I just want to be a dad and let my kids kind of float their own direction. Um, but then grandma and relatives and the kids see it and they get excited and they want to do it. So, mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, what's it like? Uh, it's an adventure coaching your own kids. You really have a lot of reality checks with yourself and you have to be honest with yourself more than any other kid you coach. Um, you really have to define the, the coach time and the parent time. That is probably the hardest thing to do as a, as a parent. Actually, I, I, we're, we're redefining roles right now. My son's wrestling at Cleveland state. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I only get to talk to him about, you know, you know, love the college kid, but Hey son, give me a call. If you don't call me, I'll call you every day. At least give mm-hmm. me a call like every couple, a couple weeks. Let me know what's going on with school and different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's interesting because it's, you know, father son time, but, you know, our topics talk about school and then uh, uh, how things are going out socially. And then we end up talking about wrestling because he's still wrestling, um, wrestling for mm-hmm. Coach Moore and, and, and loves it. So I try not to be a coach at that point. I try to be a dad, I try to listen to him. But then as a coach, you're like, oh, hey, are you in your in my head? I'm like, oh, I hope he isn't missing this. I'm, I hope he's missing this. I hope he's taking care of this. Oh, he's had these deficits. I hope they're working on these. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I don't, I don't want it to be an interrogation. Going, are you working on this? Do you want to work on this? Are you doing this? What is this? What you do the other day in practice? Um, because for years I was coach, or I was close to being coach. Do you know what I mean? Right. And so, as a father, you know, you you get to see your kid every day through the trials and tributes and the struggles of a wrestling room. You know, there's good days, there's bad days, um, there's good weeks, there's bad months. Um, with wrestling. We all know that, but as a parent, you know, I had to watch that and I had to constantly put myself in check with my kid. There were seasons where he would lose and people would be like, Oh, all you gotta do is show him this little trick. I'm like, I really had a, a, just a definite process that I had in my head for my kids. I wanted it to be fun. I wanted it to be their drive, not mine, but I also wanted to be there to support them the best I could support them. Right. And and finding those navigating those areas was very hard because, mm. you know, as a, I know what's coming. Uh, I know what's important. I know what's not important. 
but if it's not important to them, then it was a real struggle. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's just, you know, my kids would qualify for states and then you'd be like, ah, it's just a statement. Who cares? And I'm like, oh my God, are you kidding me? You made it, first of all. Secondly, don't screw this up in any way, shape, or form because you put a lot of time and effort, you know, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, how many parents over the years you've been coaching that you see that? they Parents, I call it panic. Um, you know, the kids, when it comes to district, states, and regionals, and I don't care if it's little kids, I don't care if it's middle school, I don't care if it's high school, and honestly, even at college level, when it gets to, you know, uh, conference and nationals, people flip out. People overdo so much stuff. It's unreal. They do all these things. And these kids are looking around going, I didn't ask for it. Where did that all come from? You know? Correct. And, and so there's a lot of stressors in that area. But, you know, it's hard coaching your own kids. I, I think it's, you know, you really have to have I, – I, as a coach, I was very fortunate to have coached a lot of kids like you and – and, and a lot of families I've been able to watch over the years before I, my kids got up there. Mm-hmm. So kind of, I'm, I'm a kind of a, I learned, I mean, I'm just a kind of goal oriented going what's coming down the road next. And I knew my kids are coming and I wanted to make the best environment I could for my kids. It's like, well, all parents want. Mm-hmm. So I, one of the things that I took early on in my coaching was like, how are some of these families having success and how many of these families, how are they struggling? Because I'm going to be here someday. If it's not wrestling, it's going to be, you know, soccer, football, whatever my kids decide to do. So what's making these families successful? Because inevitably, we all know that there are just families who seem to come through with very successful kids. And I say successful, happy, hardworking, motivated, but and then always seem to show up at the right time. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. For me being a young father, my, my girls are into like soccer and gymnastics and it's been very difficult for me to turn off my coaching hat and be dad because yeah, like you talked about being goal oriented. I remember my parents, uh, they didn't really push me one way or another. They just wanted me to give my best. So if I'm going out for wrestling, they want me to give my best effort. If I'm going out for football, give effort more so than if I won or lost like winning is fun everybody enjoys the win and, and things like that but I think that that helped me um not have that stress too um, you talk about with coach it's beyond the uh the scope of just being there and practicing at meets you become uh-huh. the parent to a lot of those and with your kid it's just a different kind it's a double dynamic because you're taking them home with you. So I appreciate your uh, perspective on that. And I look forward to 10, 15 years from now, telling you how I did it. <laughs> well, it's never done. First of all, <laughs> it just changes, but yeah, it is. And it's, it's crazy. I mean, like, I think the, the biggest, the biggest thing that I always remember is sitting at the table for dinner. You know, we, you know, Rarely did we have dinner at the table. Then when we did have a dinner at the table, my mind spinning like practice was terrible. You need to fix this. You need to. It's something in my head. And the kid's sitting there. My, I remember Ryan looking at me, go, "Are you going to say anything or not?" I'm like, my head is spinning. I'm like, "Yeah. How was your day? You know how my day was. You were there." And I'm like, "No. How was school? You're not thinking about school. I know you." <laughs> 
And, and I'm like, no, really, I'm thinking about school. And then the other kid chiming in going, dad, you're lying. Your head's just spinning about wrestling. <laughs> and I had, I, but, and then at that point, they were right. But I, but I really did. I sat down and I told them, I said, guys, I'm not going to talk about it over the dinner table. I'm not. Even though I might be thinking about it, I, this is our respected family time. So, you know, even if, even when I had struggles, I, I really kind of had to put myself at that. that these are my defined times. I'm, I want to hear about your day, the good things that went on, because we all have good days, no matter right. what happens. And, and so those are some things as a parent that I had to really navigate. It's good mm-hmm. stuff. Well said. So. Well said. Um, the role as an assistant, uh, one of the things that I've always talked about is when I look at some of these programs, like a Holt, like a Lowell, like a CC, and various programs that have had longevity over the last 30 or 40 years, they've had great head coaches, Hall of Fame coaches, but the assistant coaches, to me, are the straw that stirs the drink, if that makes any sense. Um, uh, support staff, etc. But I think a, an assistant is a key part to uh, any program. So just tell me about what you believe the role as an assistant and how it has evolved for you um, going with uh, Coach Chef, or I believe this is year 24 for you coming up. Oh, right. don't, mess, don't <laughs> mention the numbers in the math, please, for a lot of reasons. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I, I, well, 1998, whatever that equates to, I, I guess I don't think of it that way. And that's probably one of the reasons why I'm still coaching, because I don't think about the time. Um, mm-hmm. I think probably the biggest thing that is kind of – well, first of all, I, I didn't go to college or I didn't have this grand desire to be ever a head coach. Didn't. I don't – it's funny because people kept asking me for years, you know, you're going to be the head coach. You're gonna, I'm like, you know, I, I just don't have that desire. And, and, and I've been very fortunate in the fact that I've been under Rocky. So, you know, the cool thing about Rocky is – um, you know, he always challenges you. Um, but I, I, I learned through my professional career and, and doing some things where I was driven. You know, I was still doing wrestling on the side. It was fun. It was my getaway instead of you know going out and going to the bar and, and doing those things. I, I'm, I was more like, I got to have something structured. So wrestling was my thing. But I still had a career I was working on outside of that. And I learned from somebody one time and it just made sense to me. Know your role, know what you're and, and do your role well, but don't try to do somebody else's role. Does that make sense? You know? Yeah. So, and so I looked at it and I'm like, you know, they're right. Like even with wrestling, like Rocky knows numbers. Rocky has history as a coach. He knows, he knows the community. He knows the people he's working with. And then as an assistant coach, I'm like, I'm not going to, you know, it's funny because Rocky's like, what do you think? I said, whatever you got on paper, because you haven't figured out. And I, whatever I figured out, you've done it tenfold. He's the numbers guy, you know? And so, but I I took on that role as an assistant to help make sure that we could, that I could plug those holes that, that he couldn't get to. And I think that's one of the reasons why we've had such success is like, I, I've been able to, work on the, on the, on the, I guess, quote unquote, advanced techniques, I guess, the higher level skill sets over the years. I've been going out, you know, that was going out to the world games, getting information, learning moves, learning coaching strategies from, from world-class coaches, studying that stuff while, you know, 
Rock is, is, is navigating the MHSA rules, the school politics, the, the, you know, the community issues, navigating, you know, the banquets and, and some of those things, not that we don't all work together on them, but um, my time was able to work on, you know, going out and, and, and working with you or going over to, uh, and, and, and the national teams in the summertime with Freestyle Grafco, um, working with Ryan Lancaster, you know, uh, over at Marmion, and we'd be on a national team together. I worked with Al Freeman on a national I mean, I'm I'm coaching kids, but I'm also learning from other coaches, you know, with Larry, uh, Jerry LaJoy, you know, Dan Kuhn, you know, the, I, I could go on for hours on names, but, you know, being able to be around people and see them, Nick Simmons, you know what I mean? I just pull, I'm a sponge. I don't say a lot. People are like, how come you're quiet? I'm like, I'm learning. Like, I'm pulling from what people are doing. Um, and so that helps me come back to our community and share that with our kids and our parents and our assistant coaches. So I know my role. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm very, very specific. People tend to come to me a little bit sometimes. Like some people just, I don't know. It's a, it's a funny dynamic. They'll be like, you know, maybe it's because I'm, I'm, I'm quote unquote a little bit better on technology, you know, text messages and stuff <laughs> like that. But I'm still struggling, but I, I do it. But, you know, they come to me or and I have to redirect them. They got to go talk to Rocky. He's the admiral. I always laugh and I would call him the admiral now, you know. Um, you're the admiral. I'm just the first, you know, uh, the first mate doing whatever needs to be get done. So I accept that rule. And I think that's where assistant coaches, if your goal is to be a head coach someday, then um, you got to find a program where there's coaching availability. Um I didn't come here to try to take over Rocky's job. And I think sometimes people say, well, you know, if I'm an assistant coach for this big team, maybe someday I'll take over. And that that's, I don't think that's the right mindset to be a part of a program. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, you look at Davis and Kent, uh, Kent's been there for years so, uh, with Roy. Um, yeah. You know, I, I look at, you know, DCC, even, you know, I am a bom- bomberito. It's a bomberito, right? I, I have oatmeal brain sometimes. With names. Oh, Biondo. Beyond Beyond Yeah, Beyond I can't keep up with names. I'm terrible. I mean, he's been there forever, but he's, you know, he's the guy that, you know, Mitch, you know, him and Mitch are, you know, and then Mitch has a ton of people just like we do. But there's always like some consistent assistant coaches at the, at those top level programs because they're plugging holes that the head coach can never get to. Hmm. They're so tied up in dealing with paperwork, so tied up to deal with rules, regulations, and, school meetings and parents who are mad because their kid's not starting and he should be starting um, or the kid, you know, all those, all those wonderful headaches that I do in some aspects deal with. Um, but the, the big picture Rocky has to navigate the ship. And mm-hmm. so I always leave that, you know, we talk about summer camps. I throw out ideas at them. I throw out, Hey, look, there's some new stuff going on here. We look at it and, you know, um, I, if I, one thing I, you know, with Rocky, he'll shoot me for saying this, but if, if I want something from Rocky, I, I know I got to come at him pretty hard because he's going to say no right out of the gate. <laughs> uh, so I'll make I sure got to know. He, I don't think he's going to be No, probably. He's probably. He'll shoot me for that too, but he's still trying to find the, find the links. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, you know, he is. He's a great guy, and, and that's why he can navigate a ship. I mean, he's just an admiral. I mean, he does a good job. And, you know, 
I respect what we got going on. I, I love our, our community and the, you know, as an assistant coach, that's, that's the role I take it on. And I think that's the big thing. Young guys, I've had that. How do you become a head coach? I'm like, I don't want to be a come head coach. So I can't help you. You know, this is something I just enjoy doing, which meshes with what we have going on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Rocky has his roles. I mean, Rocky knows his stuff. I know my stuff. And, and we just work together. We're a real good compliment. And, you know, when Rocky retired from teaching, people were like, oh, I'm like, no, I'm not taking over. I won't because I can't do it without him. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's kind of where we're at with the coaching thing. I mean, uh, you know, I could go into philosophies and all that great stuff if you want, but I'll eat, I'll eat your time up for sure. But and I think what, I mean, as an assistant coach, probably my biggest attribute to, and I say my, because it's something I think it's unique that people don't think about is that, you know, my career is my, my professional career outside of coaching um, has to deal with dealing with uh, adolescent behavior change at dealing with difficult situations with juveniles and and trying to get them to change their behaviors and and their mindsets well (laughs) what are we trying to do with wrestlers we're trying to get them to be confident with hand fighting to a double leg as opposed to just taking a straight on double leg isaiah anyway uh... (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh and we have more time on that (laughs) i I I appreciate you mentioning continuity as a like a key to as an assistant coach and and the guys that are behind these great coaches I don't think that's kind of hinted at enough that uh, the totality of a program is not just it's the people that the head coach surround himself with or oh my god uh, surrounded themselves with because we do have female coaches um, uh, uh, one at Frankfurt coach Smith uh, so Mm-hmm. It, it, it is. And, and if you're going to be part of a program, I always say this to people who come ask me, like, what's it take? I'm like, you got to, you just got to trust and you got to buy in. You may not agree. You may not agree. There's been times over the years where me and Rocky have not agreed, but I'll tell you what, I go to bat when he says, this is what we're doing. That's our job. It's, it's almost, it's funny. Cause you know, as I get older, I reflect on it and it's like, man, it is. It's like a ship and the Admiral says, this is the direction. If I question it as, quote unquote, second in command or third in command, everybody underneath me is going to question everything that we're doing. Um, so it's buying and I, and I, and we figure it out and we navigate it. Um, and, and if that's what he says, that's what it says. I, you know, I might voice my concerns in private or, or whatever, but um, ultimately he's got his reasons and, and there'd be reasons I may not know at the time. I'll find out later or, or whatnot, but that's the trust I have to have in him. Um, you know, the, the, the nice thing about Rocky is, is, is he's not, he's not a malicious person and that's what's so entertaining. People kind of form their opinions about him, but he's super, super respectful, man. Always very open to listening to what people have to say. Um, and, and, uh, that's a interesting perspective that I think sometimes people don't always hear. We just, he just doesn't go out and flaunt it to everybody. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah had a uh, great respect for Rocky and how he's done things and how I, I mean, I think many of those veteran coaches, so to speak, I, I can always remember getting to the postseason and whether I had to wrestle like a Holt wrestler or a Grand Ledge wrestler with Coach Muir, like if oh, yeah, yeah. we're not sure. wrestling each other, we're rooting each other on to get to states. So it was it was one yeah. of those like 
my guy, but everybody else you need to beat so you can go go to the next level. And we kind of become this close knit uh, family for that three or four weeks that we are together, uh, trying to come together for that same goal. My, yeah. my next topic is what does it take to win a team state title? Um, I can remember from my experience, I worked out a, a few times during the 2008 season when you guys won the won the state title, and I can just remember that. A lot of hardworking kids that I saw through when I first started wrestling back in 96. Man, I'm getting old. Um, And seeing all that come together. But you just had that. You had the solid 14 where there wasn't really a a hole in your lineup. All 14 guys were very competitive. And you had a few guys that could score bonus points for for you. But for the most part, you just had really tough kids. So what do you think it takes to win a team state title? I know that's probably like a – it's probably not a simple answer. It, it, it's not. It, and actually, it's funny because um, uh, it's, it's something you – because that's what you want, right? That's what you want. I mean, if you're coaching, you want to win a state title. That's, that's the coolest thing in the world. The only thing over that would be a national title. But uh, state team titles, I kind of pulled in a couple things over the years that, that I've seen consistently with, with team states. Uh, first of all, it's a, it's a group effort. There's nowhere that you can have uh, just one individual uh, that, that that runs the team, and and I unfortunately we kind of I see that sometimes we're like, well, this is the this is the best kid, so we're just going to give all this attention to this kid and give him all we have, and you know we'll help the other ones out, but but really our focus is whatever it takes to get this kid there, um, and that becomes an interesting dynamic because like for us. We're all we give everybody attention, but then people get mad because, well, why are you giving them attention? I'm better than that kid. And then you get the argument of, well, I'm not as good as that kid. How can you not help me out to bring me up? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, you you have to have a, a, a group uh, that, that, that work together, and that's why they call it the bro. I guess that's where we get into the brotherhood. You know, you get into a brotherhood where you've worked with, we've been fortunate the whole wrestling team has had the whole wrestling club underneath it for years. Um, and uh, that club has, has created wrestling experiences over the years. And I, one of the things that we were fortunate to do is, you know, you have the kids club, we have our middle school program, we have our freestyle, we have our folk style. You have an opportunity to wrestle here at Holt if you want to. And you are allowed to go out and do other sports. So like if you want to do swimming in the wintertime, you can do freestyle in the spring. If you wanted to go wrestle in the wintertime and do something different in the spring, feel free. And we were we were doing some stuff. We were trying to do some stuff in the fall. So you you got a taste of it. As a kid, you know, as an elementary kid, as a middle school, somewhere along the line, you got an opportunity to do that. And that's always been the goal of our whole wrestling club is to provide opportunities. When that happens, you have those kids who are not diehard wrestlers, or maybe at, at a young age were not. They did it. They're like, ah, I didn't really like it. But then they get into high school and their friends are doing it. And they're like, hey, look, you know, come on back. And the kid's like, I wrestled a little bit. Maybe I'll come back. You have a great exposure rate at the young ages where kids can come back and feel at least they know something. To tell a kid at ninth grade, you're going to go wrestle and never wrestle before in his life. That's an overwhelming experience. And to say, hey, we're going to win a state title this year, too. That's a lot of stress. Because it's like a completely foreign, foreign experience. Um, 
to deal with all the different things that happen between the alpha body weight cutting or the uh, cutting, but you know, the body fat testing, the, you know, the, the ringworm, you know, seven days off, felt this form, take this over to ER, get this taken care of by your doctor. Da, da, da. Parents are like, we're not dealing with all this. This is ridiculous. Um, not many sports do all the things that we do. So to get that state title, you've really got to have people who are at least exposed to the sport, first of all. So community um, is huge. And then, you know, having people advocate for our sport, having people understand that what our roles are, right? I just talked about roles as an assistant coach. You know, people come to me and, well, we think we need to change. We need to do this. This is not my role to change, you know, our process. Our process is, is pretty, I like to say, patented. It's open, it's adjustments, but there's still a timeline and a frame that you have to be able to work with kids. And I think sometimes that's our job is to navigate our parents, to get them to trust our process, to trust us as coaches, to have dialogue, to have disagreements, but also show up the next day at practice and still give our best effort no matter what goes on. And, and you know, I look at like a, a DCC, I mean, they, they, they commit to the school, right? Right. Right. You hear that. They commit. They commit to the school. And and so Davidson, they commit to the program. You know, they're part of that program. They're there. They're going to do whatever Roy or Zach or whoever's there, Kent or Paul, whatever those guys are talking about. Fukundo says something. They're going to buy in. They're going to do what needs to be done. They might question it, but they know those are the successes of the thing. It's the same thing here. Right. I mean, you know, they come here, they ask Rocky to talk to me. They got, you know, we have, you know, we've had a, a line of assistant coaches over there with some great experiences, which is awesome. Um, but, you know, we keep the process rolling forward. Um, and, you know, trying to find out what's all the fun stuff at the national level so we can bring back. That's my role, mm-hmm. I think. And then being all-inclusive. I mean, like, wrestling is an all-inclusive sport. If, if you're not allowing every, I mean, you know, it's it's interesting that the girls are wrestling. People are like, oh, are you going to have a girls team? I'm like, um, we're not going to have a girls team. Girls are going to wrestle with us. We're not going to change it. They're going to come to us because we know that the girls process is really honestly the same as the guys process. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're we're not going to we're not going to make it harder on the girls. But I, I got guys that can do that can't do what the girls can do. And so, you know, we have a girl this year that just moved in serenity she would never wrestled in her life. I mean, I, 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 and she was scared of that. She's just, I, I'm just doing it just so I can get in shape. I'm like, cool, but I'm not going to change the expectations. You're going to, if you're going to be here, you're going to do, I want you to focus on doing better every day, just like I do every wrestler. It's not, here's our standard. It's the standard is you're going to do better every day for yourself and you're going to have bad days and you have good days. And so we held her to that. And, and, you know, there were days where she needed help and there was days where she exceeded. And we recognized that she took those baby steps. She placed at the girls state meet. I mean, God, I mean, to start in January, never wrestled before in her life. And then to place at the girls state meet, that's pretty powerful stuff, especially this girls state meet that we have now. Holy cow. Yeah. There were some studs. <laughs> there were some studs this year. Oh, so. Uh... <laughs> So team state wise, you know, uh, title wise, it, it takes everybody. I mean, and it is there is some luck to it. I mean, I, I'm not gonna lie. I'm tired of wrestling Brighton in the regional finals for the last ten years. Uh, <laughs> when Brighton's when Brighton's ranked three and we're ranked four, or they're four and we're five, or they're two and we're three. I mean, like 
or we're up and we got to wrestle them. I mean, like, you know, that stuff is luck. You know, when it, when it changes this year, it's changed for us. Um, we got over the hump and then, you know, we made it, you know, we haven't been there in a while. And then we had teams that we could arguably argue we could beat, um, beat some of those other teams at the top eight, no disrespect to any of them, but you know, that's that, you know, a couple of years ago over the top, I think there was a couple of teams that were like top eight in the state and they wrestled like at the districts, which was, which was crazy. But, mm-hmm. you know, being oh. open-minded, being all inclusive. I mean, we, we don't close our doors on anybody. And I think Rocky gets ridiculed that he has too many people in our room that, you know, he should slide his numbers and Rocky will not, will never turn a person away. As long as they're not disruptive. I mean, even then you've got to be a pretty bad disruptor to, to really, really, really be removed. And I don't, I can honestly say uh, my whole career of coaching with Rocky and my experience with Rocky, I've never seen him remove anybody from our room. Never. Mm-hmm. Unless I'm missing something, but he's all inclusive. You're there, you're working hard. He's going to take you. You know, he's not going to argue with you. He's not going to kick you out of the room. And I've seen that a few times over my career. Coaches are like, I don't want these people around because uh, it create problems. But, you know, if you have a culture, then those problems tend to filter themselves out. Right. And and that's where we kind of, we big on, we're big on culture as a group. So uh, state titles, you know, you got to do all the good stuff. You got to do the off season stuff. I think that's critical for teams as much as we hate to say it. We like to be multi-sport athletes and that's great. But if you really want kids to be successful, they have to go out and experience that next level. Um, at least once, you know, I always tell parents at least once got to get them out there uh, in the off season so they can see the difference and feel the energy of a, a national tournament because um, it's different. It is truly different when you've never seen it. Um, I think that's important. That exposure rate is good. You know, you got to have good kids that are willing to listen and take, take uh, on good days and, and, and good boost on bad days. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, everybody knowing the roles, even parents. I mean, I think parents have a, have a significant role, and sometimes they forget their roles and tend to try to do more. But then I'm not, I would never say that there's, like, a box for a parent. I think that's the deal. There's no box for anybody to be in. So to say that people have their roles just understanding where I am as a person, like I, we talked about earlier, I'm a coach, I'm a parent, where am I at right now? Right. You know? Um, mm-hmm. And I think keeping everybody in those lines and, and helping making that work is critical. Right. <sighs> in the state title, yeah. In the state title, nobody's ever happy. I think those are the most stressful times in my coaching careers is wrestle for state titles there. We had, we have parents that were, it was just, I've had some, Unfortunately, some bad experiences winning state titles in the background. Some great experiences mm-hmm. winning it with the kids and, and loving it, but whew, some of the some of the team dynamics. I, I, it's it's been a, it's an interesting experience. Let me tell you, it brings out people's personalities, <laughs> good, it's, bad, or otherwise. I, uh, yeah, my, yeah. They, I re- go ahead. Uh, my last topic um, is what was it like? coaching during this year with all the different procedures and rules um, moving forward. Um, I kind of joked a little bit that I got out at the right time. 
I stepped up for my coaching position. I know that I could have handled it, but I'm glad I didn't have to. And I'm glad I was more of a, um, a listening ear to my fellow coaches to kind of keep supporting them and to keep them positive about everything. So tell me what was the experience with the whole wrestling program during COVID? Um, wow. That's a loaded question. Uh, honestly, uh, you know, I, COVID hit everybody everywhere. You know what I mean? There was no like, Oh, this one population of people got it hit everybody everywhere. Mm. So the, the, kind of beauty of it was I didn't you know as a coach you're always trying to go okay uh what's what's the angle everybody's using to get things done how are we working to get things done we have to get things taken care of COVID stopped everything and I had to keep self reminding myself that I stopped everybody not just our community not just our area it stopped everybody so for me, one of the things that I was dealing with for a while was anxiety. Like, I'm not doing enough. I should be doing more. I, what, what am I missing? Like, I know, I know so-and-so is doing something. I know who's, who's doing what on the east side? Who's doing what on the west side? Who's getting the upper edge? What am I missing? I mean, I, I, I had a discussion. I'm like, okay, who's not getting their – how do you guys get your body fat testing done? And they're like, uh, you got some done? I said, well, we got some done, and then it canceled. And I'm like – and they're like – we weren't able to do anything. You know what I mean? Like everybody stopped. So it was really insightful. Usually in years past when things change, maybe we get affected by something in our community. I can reach out to somebody and see what they're doing to do things differently or, or willing, willing to do that change up. There was no change up this year. It was really kind of like being at an airport, hurry up, get to the gate, be ready to go, sit back and wait for the direction, you know? <laughs> Uh, and 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 then once the direction hit get ready for the crowd you know you know gate 13's open everybody's running to the gate that's where they're going Mm -hmm. um i i think i had to deal with a lot of you know parents same thing on anxiety what are we missing what can we do for our kid how do we make it happen you know and, and i know parents were you know we need to be unified and going in front of the state and and we need to you know we need to be you know making sure people know that this is what we want i know i had some parents mad at me for not going down to the capitol and 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 speaking our piece but honestly i i was confident something was going to happen i just right. know the wrestling community i just know wrestling in general and and there's nobody in our sport through mhsa or any coach and honestly, any athletic director that does not want sports to happen. Does that make sense? Yeah. And and so I know people were working behind the scenes to make things happen. And and I mean, just like the rest of us, we're all pencil and paper and things out. Every idea we can come up with, every direction of how we do this, we do that. So for me, I put my hands in those professionals um, and sat back. And, and I think it helped me kind of slow down a little bit and go, I'm not alone. I'm not missing something. It's just we're waiting for that direction. Now, kid-wise, you know, what do we do for our kids? Well, you know, as a parent, you know, get them working out. You know what I mean? I can't make them run every day. They know, you know, my juniors and seniors, they know the drills. Um, I know some coaches were using Zoom and and those kind of things. And, and my message to my kids were this. If you really want to wrestle when it's time to come, you'll do something every day to help your wrestling out. 
you can Google home workout and find 10,000 workouts, right? Right. I mean, I, I mean, like, and so that was my, I mean, like, I can tell you a structured program, but you know, I'll give you a list of things that you need to work on, but I want you to find something that you like. Cause I know like for me as an individual, you say work out at home, I give you a DVD and you might not like the DVD I give you. I might not like the personality. I might not like the background. I may not like the music and wrestlers are funny. We're real picky on things, right? Right. There are just certain things we're not even going to listen to. I mean, I hate to say it that way, but we, we just have our mindsets. So it was a lot of encouragement um, of independence and with these kids and these parents to say, we believe in you. We know you can do things. Here's some things to try. But I didn't try to get into, I know I had some coaches that were like, okay, everybody get on podcast at, at, at seven o'clock and we're going to do a workout of your house, which is a really cool idea. I thought it was really neat. Everybody's going to work out in the living room and we're going to do all these things. I can't work out and watch TV at the same time. Never been able to do it. Still can't do it. Yeah. And so those are some things that, that we, we encourage people to do. So I know some of our parents, we encourage them. They got groups together in regards to you know, the small, small little pod things, according to DHS, and uh, you know, followed the rules, but they kept it small and did some things, which is fine. There was nothing wrong with that. Um, that's what you want, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I kind of sat back and let that happen. And then, you know, it was hurry up. Every day was an anxiety day because once season started, everybody's like, well, what happened today? I'm like, we practiced. Anything but spo- No, it was a typical practice. You know, I had to adjust some training. Like I think RJ Boudreau said, you know, you adjusted your, your training uh, regimen to, uh, right. you know, to make it, to make it work for a very short season. So, you know, you have to accommodate. I, I don't know. It was, it was different, but you know, I, I you know, this, I think that, that my biggest anxiety was this COVID test, which I loved knowing. I ain't gonna lie. I enjoyed right. the fact that we had answers, not like, well, they were exposed. Well, exposure is such an open, open window of, mm-hmm. of opportunity and, and then unclarifying. So the, the COVID test just gave us a concrete answer, which I've always loved. Right. I mean, like we just knew. And uh, it was a little anxiety driven, but you just knew it's no different than passing a body fat test. You know, did the kid get eligible to wrestle 145? No, nope, you can get down to 145.2. Dang, you know. Um, it just gave us concrete data to deal with. And, and it took all the judgment out of uh, were they exposed, were they not exposed, any of those things. Right. Um, so it made me, made me feel safe. I'm not going to lie. It made me feel good going into the wrestling room, knowing my kids have all been tested, um, knowing that they were wrestling against kids that were, you know, not infectious. Um, uh, that gave me a peace of mind on that stuff. You know, the scheduling was a nightmare. Poor ADs. I don't know how they did it. I mean, we had so many different things going around. I think it was changing by the hour. And, and then, you know, and then parents would hear about the change before we'd even know about the rule changes. And I'd get emails and text messages. And, okay, this is what we can do. This I'm like, I don't even know what the new rule is. And, you know, and so I just put my faith in the, in the ADs to come up with something. I mean, it wasn't ideal for us but uh, you know as i talked to other coaches it wasn't ideal for them either so i didn't feel like i got uh, a bad shake on it um I, I did not i know there was some philosophies with the ad's uh, overall trying to keep people in regions 
Mm-hmm. That was a, that was a struggle because we've always prided ourselves on going across the state and trying to you know hit different perspectives of wrestling because there is a different philosophy in different parts of the state. You know, yeah, um, uh, different mindsets and, and expectations. So we like to get our kids culturalized and those kind of things. Uh, I don't, you know, COVID was was interesting. Um, you know, I had my own reservations. We had our own family dynamics we were dealing with. You know, my professional job, like I talked about, I, I, you know, I didn't stop working. Everybody was working from home. I'm still, I'm still going to work. Right. And, and, you know, so that brought in my own work experience coming in and then hearing the different perspectives of COVID, you know, our COVID expectation at work and then my COVID expectation at school were just so far on the opposite ends of the spectrum. It was, it was interesting. Right. So confusing frustrating i mean you know for people who like to be organized and planned and um it, it wasn't any of that you really had to fly by the seat of your pants um and you just made uh you know made judgment decisions on in the moment really it's what it came down to mm-hmm. so yeah i will say i was very confident that we would have a have a season like you said i mean wrestlers are kind of a different breed um, they they were going to get it done. And I think there's there's always been kind of this misconception, whether you're on one side or the other. The MHSA, um, Mark Yule, who I've worked with for a long time, even when I was an official, uh, and Dan Hutchinson, the wrestling uh, leader there, he, I had strong belief that they would have a season. And I told everybody around, I said, "You're going to have a season. What it looks like is going to be slightly different than what we're used to." But the bottom line is you're going to have a season. And that's really yeah. what we should be looking towards and not trying to, I don't know, just be happy that the kids had a season. We got to crown yeah. some state champions, and, and you had to got to see two two individuals win their fourth state title. I mean, it's, yeah. it was a good it was a good year all, all ways around. And COVID, having the yes or no, whether you're uh, eligible to wrestle was good. Of course, it, it affected many teams, not just in wrestling, uh, but in other sports. But at the same time, it's kind of – it is what it is. That was what you were dealt with. There was nothing else you could control. And, and I, my hat's off to you and, and the rest of the programs around the state there navigate COVID and, and, and be able to still achieve your goals. So, um, Stan, I am going – I am going to uh, going to conclude this uh, podcast with you. I really appreciate your insight today, and um, looking forward to seeing you down the road. Hopefully, in the next couple of months, when I make a surprise trip to Lansing. Hey, we're here, and we're just you know living the dream like everybody else, trying to survive COVID and and live our careers and be parents and all those wonderful things. And I I appreciate you reaching out and having this opportunity to speak. You make me think about things that I, you know, I don't normally think about and, and process and if it helps people out. I mean, I, I'm all about that. So um, maybe we'll come back and talk about the parenting chapter. Eh? Or- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be fun. <laughs> I, I oh, hope yeah, it was good. Podcast <laughs> yeah. So, but I do thank you. And, and uh, it's been a good experience. So good luck to everybody out there. And I hope everybody stays safe and healthy. So, <laughs> Thank you, Coach Granger. Uh, enjoy the rest. Of- Thank you for listening to the Coach T Podcast by my dad. <laughs>